Today on Pastor JDO3, the podcast, we spend time talking to Demetrius Frazier, Senior Director of Learning and Development at Kaiser Aluminum. He's the founder of Black Men Read, which has 987 members. Today, we answer the question, why should one keep their foot in the door when that person is often called a sellout or an Uncle Tom? And now, we'll talk part about, two like, of how, Up how you can Goes Frazier. I think I'm seeing that still, where companies are making a decision, we're we just going to stay out of this fray. We're not going to jump into talking about Black Lives Matter. We're going to avoid that language altogether. We're going to talk about diversity. Well, hold on. The, the people are crying in the streets and saying, you are not making me feel valued. You don't care if I live or die. And your answer is, well, okay, well, we should do things for everybody. That's, that's kind of how diversity is landing on me. When I say, uh, I'm tired of people sitting on my neck and killing me. I'm tired of the Sandra Bland's and the Breonna Taylor's. I'm tired of black girls being pushed out of the education system into, you know, uh, into prisons. I, I, I'm tired of that. And you're saying, well, okay, great. We're going to make sure everybody gets paid. Yeah. So what was it like to, to get a foot in the door, to form some relationships and to say, you know what, I'm not just going to put money on the Frazier table, but if I can build a building at Virginia Union, doggone it, let's do this thing. I would say it's it's a good strategy. Um, it's, it's definitely one where you get into the door and you can make things happen. You can get opportunities inside the company. You can also make sure that the company diverts funds to its local community, which you should do anyway. Uh, there's a darker side to it, though, and this is more for our community, and that when they see you kind of putting the mask on a little bit, because I can't show them my, you know, my pitchforks in the street, my, my, my marching side. I don't show my Black Man Reed shirt at work. Uh, I, I leave some of those things out, but I'm doing that because I got to dance this line. For me to get to VP, for me to get into that boardroom, for me to get to where I can make those funds available for other people, I have to kind of skirt it a little bit. I can push, but I can't push the way I would do if I was in Queens, New York, right? I can't talk that way. I can't move that way. So it depends on the people that are looking at you. Johnny, who's had conversation after conversation with me, would know my heart. Well, no, I'm trying to do the right thing. Someone who may not know me as well is like, uh, you know, the S word's coming out. Fell out. You know, he, he ain't really about it. It's a dance. And I think you have to be willing, if your heart is in the right place, you got to be willing to take that. Because it it just comes with the territory. Don't There's nothing you, you can really I, do I about think, it. And, and we've seen this uh, over the last really good four years between this, uh, if you're black, you have to be liberal. Well, you can't be a black conservative. How could you have a conservative thought? Right. How could you ide- right. identify with a conservative uh, ideal? Oh my God, you're the words of like, whoa, 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 t- time, time out, time out, time out. Like, right, like right. You, you cannot sum up blackness with one term. <laughs> and, and just no. because I agree with this specific principle does not mean that the sellout word should be used or the Uncle Tom word should be used. How, right. how can we uh, as academics, you know, uh, as people who have uh, uh, higher level degrees, be able to say, look, I need to serve in specific capacities. 
I need to hear have certain dialogues because I've been criticized on my page for trying to make it a safe place for everybody to express their views. I may not agree with the view, but at least let this man speak his piece and nobody attack him. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And, and if you do attack him, be <laughs> at least let him get the words out. <laughs> yeah, be respectful of this man. What can we do to to help that? Because a, a lot of this cancel culture and the Uncle Tom and the, and the sellout type of things they stifle young people and they stifle people who could get into a position to open up a door. I, I say the way we do that is we got to reset back to what is our core mission? What are we really trying to achieve? So for your podcast, for any community organization, we stayed up front, right? In some kind of way, our mission, why are we doing this work? Well, we're doing this work to provide a, you know, think about black men read. We're trying to encourage black men to read, but in our book club, we have a different mission statement, slightly different. We're creating a safe space for brothers to connect, learn, grow, and build, right? So if that's our state, if, if safe space is part of what we're trying to accomplish, then the things that you're talking about, the speaking on people, the disrespecting them, that doesn't fly. And we gotta be diligent about saying that's not, that's not here. So as a person who's leading the effort like yourself or myself, we gotta make the call and we gotta make it consistently versus that mission. So for example, in the book club, something came out around uh, Meg Thee Stallion. And Meg Thee Stallion had got, I think she got shot and the stories were starting to come out. I don't even think the full story had come out. And what was coming out? Well, see, I knew this B and this H and all this other stuff. And what I said was, and I wanted as a facilitator of the group on the Facebook chat, what I said was, I want to make a quick statement. One, we're never, ever going to have that language versus our black women. It is in our rules. It's in our mission. It's a safe space for you to be able to communicate, but disrespecting ain't safe. And so I want to make this mention to you specifically because I want you to know why I'm kicking you out. <laughs> The two, I want all the members to know this doesn't fly here. If that's what you're looking for, you got to find another space. It's not me judging you. I think what you said was wrong. But at the same time, it doesn't fly here. Now, if we keep doing that, think about it. The covenant of the church. Think about the mission statements of our groups. If we stick to that, then I think those things could, could, could um, especially if we apply them consistently, I think those things, that's how we can deal with it. So when I talk to someone and I say, we're going to talk about politics, I think politics has to be discussed. I think our religious beliefs have to be discussed. But let's just say, between you and me, we're going to have this discussion, and I'm going to let you know, I, I am a Christian. I believe in this, these principles. And so I'm going, to be, I'm going to listen to you, but I also want you to listen to me. Is that the genesis of the book club? Tell us how you came up with the idea and what you're doing. If I wish it started at a different place, but we tell the story all the time. It started with Philando Castillo. And so that story came out and we're sitting around and we're scratching our heads. How could this possibly happen? How could the outcome come out the way it did? Why is there no public outcry? All this other stuff. And so we got together to talk about those kind of topics. And the next thing was we still don't understand. Uh, I, I I don't get it. So maybe in a book somewhere, someone has talked around 
how police brutality can happen. Maybe somebody could talk. And we, we started grabbing books. And one of the earliest books we read was uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Between the World and Me. And then we also read uh, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Two phenomenal books. And if anyone's interested in those type of books, I, I would highly recommend them. But it talks around how these structures are built, how they sustain themselves, and how they continually oppress uh, black people, especially in underprivileged communities. And what, what that formed was, it now it's a community of people wanting to figure things out, to, to come and say, I don't know all the answers. I just want to be able to find, I want to connect with people who are trying to find that. We have some fun too. We still talk about Kobe Bryant and why he's better than this guy and why LeBron ain't the GOAT, why LeBron is the GOAT, you know, all those. We have those discussions too. But at the same time, we, we try to provide a space where people can talk about those those topics. And that's why also there's a couple rules. We we don't have the disrespect. This is just for the men. And it can be black, white, but we're going to talk about the issues that affect the black community. I, I, honestly, I thought you were going to say it had something to do with those young men that you're raising uh, who are some strapping <laughs> young brothers. I'm like, man. I, I, my girl, I said, I'm going to see man. if I can get him on the phone and reserve one of them. <laughs> uh, you know, my boys, uh, Brandon, Ethan, 19, 17, going on 20 and 18. So it's uh, it's been a while. I, I And he's kids are growing up so fast uh, I'm still remembering holding your first child yeah so, come on and, that is, and now these people are getting apartments <laughs> like, I mean they're they're old enough they're you know they're making they're, they're making their own life now and I, that's kind of where we felt like this is why we have to do this is because we have to make a place that's better for these kids. We have to provide a runway for them to grow and, and expand and do the wonderful things that they're set up and they're, or, uh, they're destined to do. Our kids, we know them, right? We know they're special. But we don't want to have is something like the stand your ground law. We don't want to have things that are happening in the local community affect them. And we want to help, help the people that are not like my son. My son, you know, has never wanted for anything. That doesn't mean we can't do the right things for people who are in a different situation. So, you know, I look at, when I look at the, the TV and I see, you know, for example, when I saw Trayvon Martin, I don't know about you, but I saw my son. I saw a kid that I go to the local supermarket and I saw him. You know, every time I see a kid with a hoodie or a kid with like an Arizona tee, I think about that. I think about all of, all of those pieces. And I think that's why we're trying to do this is to, get better our, our tagline is learn grow and build and we got to try to build a better way for for our community well your family has a, a rich legacy especially uh, with education uh, what was it like to go to Virginia Union and have that baton in your hand to have mom and grandma looking at you like bro you got to do this and then not only do you have to do this but you have to pass this baton to the next generation. Did you feel some type of pressure? Uh, or were you just like, man, I got this? So uh, so the pressure thing is weird. So my, my great-granddad, uh, Reverend Dr. H.B. Bolden, Hayward Bolden, that's a name right there, yeah. first of all. <laughs> yeah, you a grown but man. Great, 
you're a grown man. You got if you can carry the word the name Hayward, you you something strong. Man. <laughs> well, that's my grand, my great grand. That's what part of my legacy. Pastor, uh, founder of a church in New York, and he always carried that. I love the people, but I, I got the diploma in my backpack. So you know, don't think that I don't know what I'm talking about. And we don't have up until my generation, we don't have a lot of college graduates. But we had a lot of people that valued education. And, and so what they pushed for was they didn't know where to push me to. They didn't say, oh, you got to be an engineer. You got to be this or be that. They just said, be the best you can be. But we know education is part of that, that path. And so what they were pushing for is me to continue to work on the books. They didn't really have a push towards sports. If you notice, I can't play sports. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I played a little basketball on the side, but you didn't see me playing that thing with Ben Wallace when we were in school, did you? Yeah. Uh, I, that wasn't the push. That, that push was, there's an outlet for that. You're tall. We know it. We get it. But we believe that education is your real pathway. And you seem to have, you know, uh, a good passion for it. So they pushed me through school. You may not notice, but in Ele- I mean, uh, in high school, I stayed with my grandmother in Newport News, Virginia. My mom was in New York at the time with my sisters. She, you know, they had moved back. We had moved from New York, moved to Newport News. My mom couldn't find a job. My mom moved back. And I stayed with my grandmother, finished high school in Newport News. When I graduated high school, my grandmother took my diploma. <laughs> so you want to talk about valuing it. <laughs> she valued it. She said, hey, that's nice. Take your picture. Make sure everybody get a picture. It's mine, right? Uh, when I got to college and union, my mom was like, hey, uh, grandma got the high school one. <laughs> this, this college one is mine. So for a while there, I didn't have any diplomas. <laughs> I did all the work, but I had no diplomas. And uh, eventually she gave my college one back because that had to take, remember you had to take pictures of it, you got to scan it for, for your first job or so. And then when I got to grad school, uh, they let me, they let my wife at the time have that one. Let her. So I was like, I didn't think that I had to ask for my diploma, but again, take your pictures and now the diploma's ours. But my family's always had a, a value for education. It may not have been in the classroom, um, but it was it was always, hey, stay reading, stay learning, stay growing. Um, people ask me sometimes, like, how did you get to where you're a big reader? And I think what they're shocked by is that I hated reading in grade school. My mom was a big reader. She read murder mysteries, she read Stephen King, things like that. So there was always bookshelves around. Uh, and my uncle, Uncle Kevin, was a big reader. He was the uh, learn about the, the conspiracies and how the how the government structures work. And he, he, I mean, he's a heavy reader today. And then I got the union, and that's when it all pieced together. My mom was really the seed. She planted the seed of reading. I still didn't pick it up. My uncle was kind of like the sunlight. He was he was kind of saying, "Hey, let me shine a light on this. Is what you should do." But then when I got the union, it all got pieced together. It was watered a lot better. And so my mom was the, here's what you should do. My uncle Kevin was the, here's why you should do it. And then at school, we got the who, got the win, right? This is what you should be reading. I want to hear about your experience with reading. 
Was there a book that caught your attention and grew your love for reading? Have you ever been called sellout? Have you ever been considered an Uncle Tom? And if you were, do you still plan on keeping your foot in the door? Are you going to collect checks and let the door slam behind you? We want to hear from you. Use the hashtag PastorJDO3 or the hashtag JDO, the number three, podcast. We'd love for you to be a part of this discussion. Join us next week for another segment of this powerful discussion with Demetrius Frazier for part three of Up Goes Frazier. We'll see you next week on Pastor JDO3, the podcast.